BJU is not affiliated with any higher organization or denomination. It is an independent institution um, that was founded by evangelist Bob Jones Sr. in 1927 because he was so concerned with the secularization of higher education and like the theory of evolution, very just fearful of any information that went against fundamentalist teachings of, you know, the world is six to 10,000 years old. Um, God created the world in um, seven days. This person's name is Jim Berg, and he he has spread this teaching where he, in his book, uh, I think it's called Changed in His Image, he teaches that people have a clone of Satan's nature inside of them that opposes God. Why a lot of Christian schools were started for segregation to keep the white people away from the people of color and to not mix races. If you would like information on cults in the news, please join my new Substack, frankietees.substack.com. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 73 of Frankie Files podcast. I'm Frankie Tees. It's Fourth Tuesday, and we'll be getting into details of an adult child of a cult who is exposing the conduit of recruitment which poses as a college and is a national and world influence. A quick note, I skipped a week for the first time last week. True confessions. (laughs) To be honest, putting together the 71 and 72 episodes with my mom about the cult we survived, Morningland in Long Beach, California, really took a lot of energy and time, and I simply chose to take a break afterwards, hoping that all of you listeners would take the time to hear her interview, a very special interview where I, as a daughter, interview my mom about her trafficking experience and family separation. So that's the last two episodes, 71 and 2. They really mean a lot to us. So I'm back, and we'll be getting into a preview here of Documentary Limited Series podcast by Andrew Pledger. Andrew Pledger was a guest on our show last year and talked about leaving the independent fundamental Baptist religion and the part he was in since birth, which was very much a cult. He experienced all the telltale things kids do in cults like information control, emotional and mental gaslighting, and psychological abuse and shame for being yourself. See the show notes for the first episode with our show, that interview last year with Andrew, and the links to hear his latest project too. But it's time to get back to school. What goes on in this university? Quote marks. He started by speaking out about seven years ago by going public in the last of his college years at Bob Jones University. Surviving Bob Jones University is the podcast name. And today, Andrew talks about how many guests are on the limited series, how it was researched, how it's being received so far in the media, and a bunch more. There's a lot of info he brings us. And most of all, he's going to shine a light very brightly on the life someone born into a cult is relegated to. This one is Christian. The Christian theology and seclusion in this cult, which goes from schooling into college into church work, unless you break free like Andrew did. 
here to tell the tale. Is Andrew Pletcher, previously hosting Speaking Up podcast and now host of Surviving Bob Jones University. Here we go. Hey, Andrew, let's talk about your brand new limited series on Bob Jones University. This will be a preview for our listeners. I just want to say that I perused this amazing limited series and congratulations. It sounds really amazing. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so glad you've been able to listen to it and I'm excited to talk about the podcast. Yeah, this is our second time chatting and the first time we interviewed you for your full story of being an IFB ex-fundy, as you guys call yourselves. And that was like a year ago. So I'm really happy to have you again. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. I just, we got to cover a little bit of Bob Jones last time, but it's just, it's like I have two big stories. Like I was involved in these two cults. So like, it's hard to cover everything. So I'm definitely excited to talk about the podcast and really talk about some of my experiences too at Bob Jones University. When you say you're in two cults, tell me more about that. So the first cult you were in, would that be the IFB church? Yeah. So that was the independent and fundamental Baptist church that I was in. And that was my most of my childhood. So I was in that until 18. So then at 18, that was the second cult to Bob Jones University. And, you know, when you're in this environment your whole life, like it never crossed my mind that these were cults. Like that's all I knew that was so normal to me. Absolute control was so normal. It was oppressive, but you know, I was taught that that's what God wanted. That's the truth. You can question that, always obey authorities, follow all these rules and And your family is in this church. So you were born in, right? I was born in, yeah. I was born into the independent fundamental Baptist movement. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got, um, two, you've got your parents and you have siblings. Yes. I have a younger brother and an older brother. My older brother, he, he is a youth pastor and a Christian school teacher in the IFB. So he's very entrenched. My younger brother, he's he's left that environment has gone towards a more progressive church not for religious reasons but for like community he really like craves that community and that's kind of where he's found that i think he's going to like a universalist church Mm -hmm. or something like that right more accepting of all types of lifestyles there yes that's interesting wow so your mentality when you learn of a possible college option that's christian is no problem how did you encounter bob jones university so I always knew I wanted an education and at 17 years old, I had grown enough. I'm 23. So maybe like six, six years ago, I had grown enough where I realized like I could admit to myself that this environment was toxic. It was harming my mental health, but in that environment is very authoritarian. It's very narcissistic. So you're the problem. It's never the system. It's never the teachings. It's never the leaders. So there's so much self-blame, but eventually I was like, internally, I was like, no, but I couldn't say that to anyone out loud. So this was me for me at 17, I'm still in the IFB wanting to go to college, but my parents, they would not help with any thing besides a fundamentalist college. And and most of these fundamentalist colleges, they're ministry based. So for me, I'm like, okay, I need to find if, if, you know, if a fundamentalist college is my only option, then I need to find one that has legitimate accreditation, actually work outside of this network out of fundamentalism, because that's the way most of these colleges 
function is that you can only get work inside those circles because a majority of them are not accredited but bob jones university that was the exception they were accredited and you know they were they were fundamentalists and they still had this oppressive strict environment which i wasn't thrilled about obviously but for me it was like all right so do i stay in the ifb with my you know controlling parents or to another controlling environment where you know it's still controlling but my parents won't be there at least and the units are transferable because it's accredited yes yes right that's right yes so you could actually have an out so was that your thought too is a little bit like well this could be my out of this whole lifestyle that was the thing is like it was a hard thing to do because i'm like mm -hmm. i wanted to get out of it at 17 but i couldn't i didn't know anyone on the outside and that's how they these groups keep you in is you don't you're so dependent on them for like friends family all kinds of resources it's like you know when you don't have that community or that group like you know in survival of the fittest like you're dead really well it reminds me of dr wallace she says um you know calls it a sealed in group mm, yes it's so true uh -huh. Most All the referrals for everything's coming from this one source mm -hmm. for you. So I can imagine you, you felt trapped. Yes. So, yeah. So for me, it's like, okay, four more years in this high control environment. And, you know, this will be um, a way out. So, and I, it was interesting because I had never heard of Bob Jones University growing up at all. I heard of Bob Jones, the person, Bob Jones Sr., the person who started the college. But I had never heard of the college because my the church I was raised in, the cult church, it, it never promoted it because it had a list of different independent fundamental colleges they would promote, but they would never promote Bob Jones. And the reason for this was Bob Jones, and, and you know, this is something that's unique to the IFB movement, and they take the stance that the King James Version of the Bible is the only legitimate word of God. It's absolute truth, and all other versions of the Bible are false and influenced by Satan. And so a really extreme take on that version. And Bob Jones University, they do not take that KJV-only stance. They do use that version a lot, but they don't claim that as the only version to use and as the only legitimate word of God. So that was something that was upsetting to my parents. Uh, because that's such a big part of the IFB and you know they basically just they were like you know what you know you're you're gonna seek a career you're not going into the ministry so we're okay letting you go to Bob Jones University so let me get this straight it's a selling point to you <laughs> and it's a demerit to your parents because they do think the King James version is the only version yeah I mean I was surprised when I realized Bob Jones didn't take that stance you know they're still extreme in a lot of ways yeah and the thing is like the teachings they're the same at bob jones as what i grew up in the Frankie Files. well that was one of my questions is like about the curriculum who do they answer to for being an accredited college there's got to be someone they answer to but i also have been hearing from someone that i um, spoke to about troubled teen industry the christian um, schools often do not answer to uh, the regular people that a university would is this the case it's interesting they are a fundamentalist christian college but they claim they're non-denominational um, evangelical which is not once you attend there you're like no this is definitely fundamentalist but the university is accredited by the southern association of colleges and schools 
commissions on colleges and and then also the transnational association of christian colleges and schools i looked up if like any other higher organization holds them accountable so besides this accreditation Mm -hmm. thing bju is not affiliated with any higher organization or denomination it is an independent institution um, that was founded by evangelist Bob Jones Sr. in 1927 um, because he was so concerned with the secularization of higher education and like the theory of evolution, just fearful of any information that went against fundamentalist teachings of, you know, the world is six to 10,000 years old. Um, God created the world in um, seven days. So, okay, so this this is an independent institution. So with this accreditation thing, they do have to follow certain standards. When it comes to curriculum, they have to have a liberal arts like core, like all accredited colleges do. So these are things like English classes that are to the standards of other schools. Um, you have to take philosophy um, classes, different art classes, humanities, like part of that core thing to have those skills across the board that everyone has to take, you know, take a math class in there somewhere to have those skills. Um, so just the, the basics, the liberal arts of like the basics of education, which they had to keep up to standard. Now, here's the thing. Bob Jones be accredited. They have to teach evolution. So let's talk about that. So, okay, I was in a science, a required science class. It was called essential science, and a, basically, this whole science class was trying to cover every single science in one semester and every and just about every single science what contradicted the faith and what they did was okay this is against our faith let's debunk it the thing for this class though is like you would use the bible you would be like oh well this is the truth in science you're supposed to prove your theory wrong you're doing everything to prove it wrong not right like this is the this is the exact opposite of science if you have a something you think is true and you're doing everything you can to twist reality and make it work like okay so light years light years is a big issue okay with fundamentalists because if the world is six to ten thousand years old why are we seeing light that is just like i don't know billions trillion you know so much higher than that light years away how do you explain that how did they so they would do mental gymnastics in class. I remember sitting in a class period and I just wanted to walk out. I'm like, y'all are doing like the hardest mental gymnastics I've ever seen. And like this teacher had a graph of explaining how these light years could have worked. And one argument they use a lot too is that, oh, God made the world like it was old. Yeah. Like, you know, like he already made the light already reaching that far. Like he made, he made the light reach it immediately. Like it already. <laughs> so I see. So it's presented through this filter. Like rose-colored glasses, only it's like BJU glasses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they any information that goes against what they believe, you know, they'll give you that information, but they'll twist it, they'll argue against it, and they're very adamant. And I remember one of my science teachers, he got like I remember him running the class. This is another thing in Bob Jones' classes. There are some teachers. They'll sometimes go on rants or like sermons in class that when it's not relevant to the class at all. So I remember one class, the science teacher, he was justified. He basically, oh God, he's such a cruel, awful person, but he, he basically was talking about Noah's Ark and all the people killed on the planet. And he's like, you know what? He's, he's like, you know, if you're an artist, you can do what you want with your art. We're God's art. So he, he compared people to objects, to things. He dehumanized people and said, God can do whatever he wants with us. We're his art. He can destroy us and kill us or whatever. That's his right. He's the creator. We're the creation. So he 
could just easily justify so much violence in his mind by dehumanizing and comparing people to objects of just things that an artist uses to make parts. And it's just. And mm -hmm. an asterisk there um, for me to you is that apocalypticism, hearing about it every day, day in and day out, which I did too, uh, it really wears on you. Like he's saying, you know, he could do anything he wants and then a little twing of fear races through the body. As it said, it's like we're kept in that state of, of basically fear. You're just a helpless sinner. And so Bob Jones himself, um, you speak about him extensively on your uh, podcast, which I can't wait to dig further into. He founded it, and that was in the 20s. So it's been going since then. It's been almost, it's almost 100 years old. In 2027, it'll be 100 years old, yeah. Well, and an excellent way to greet them for their 100th year anniversary is for one man to stand up and say his actual experience. In your well-presented series, I've um, you lay out what a cult is to uh, begin the series, which is great for any listeners who may have some vague ideas about that. That's really nice. And then how this cult is a university and they're behaving like a cult. You give the detailed story of its roots and fundamentalism, which people need to listen to. You also, which is really wonderful, interview multiple different students to round it out. And I don't want you to do spoilers where you don't want to. How good did it feel to detail this report after being there for however many years? I think you were there for three or four. I was there three and a half years. Yeah. Um, I think this making this podcast has been just so healing in so many aspects because before I didn't really connect with other Bob Jones survivors, but since I started making the podcast, there are two main Facebook groups that are dedicated to Bob Jones survivors. And then I made the third one specifically for people who are listening to the podcast. The title of the Facebook group is Surviving BJU Podcast Discussion. That's the name of the Facebook group. It's been powerful to connect with other survivors and feel validated in our experiences because, you know, being in a cult, it's so isolating. You can't, yes, you're isolated from the outside world. You can't always communicate what you're feeling to people on the inside. And then, you know, you're so disconnected from what you're feeling. So like there's all these levels of um, isolation. And, and you also, um, in our first interview, you articulated how busy they keep you. So you oh don't God, think. Yes. I mean, they you're keep in. You, so busy. you don't get to listen to music out loud unless it's in a headset. No TV, no. Dancing. Like, all, like all the whole light right. model in there. Right. But, um, light model from Steve Hassan. And so it's about controlling you. You wouldn't really have the time to chat and say, I don't like the presentation I just heard. There's no way you could really do that, huh? Like that, that is something that is so awful about that school is like you cannot go against their teachings because they see their approach to the Bible and interpretation and application as absolute truth. So if you question their teachings, you're questioning God. If you question the authority, you are questioning God because God conveniently puts all these authority figures to control you and have authority over you. So there's so much fear around that. And also there's eternal damnation on the line too. Um, so that, so if you don't believe what they believe, 
and they see that as the truth, that's a sign you are not saved. So at Bob Jones University, if you are saved, which this means that you've accepted Jesus as your heart, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you and you're going to heaven if, you know, that's what they believe. So if you, you know, are saved and you have the Holy Spirit, their assumption is, the assumption that the school is you'll automatically believe what they'll believe, you'll conform, you'll do it happily, and you have a spirit of joy, and you won't experience things like anger, um, or sadness or any unpleasant emotions, because emotions are another thing that are so demonized at the school, you're not allowed to experience oppression or anger, it's seen as sin. And you're listening to the Frankie Files, FrankieFilesPodcast.com. And for those listening who who haven't been in these closed in systems, I mean, I'm just thinking we go to college so that we can think and critically think and use our minds. And that's the number one rule. Don't do that here. It's like, hold up. How are these kids going to learn how to think? They're not. There would be some helpful things I, w- I would learn. And I would make connections in my mind using logic and critical thinking about what they were teaching and like kind of like easily debunking it in my mind. But I'm like, oh, I can't say this out loud. And part of the indoctrination at Bob Jones was something they added into their curriculum in addition to all the accredited stuff they had to do. Every student that was that was not a ministry major, so everyone else besides like the seminary and ministry majors, everyone else, we all had to take a total of five Bible classes during those years. It's 15 credits. That's a whole semester's worth of Bible classes those four years. So there's five classes just for five, sorry, four years. And the five classes we had to take during those years, when I was there, they, they always adjust the curriculum. But I took um, Old Testament, New Testament, Bible Doctrines 1, Bible Doctrines 2. And then the last one is apologetics. And this is teaching you to defend your faith against any information that goes against it. And I remember when I took the apologetics class, I was just I didn't care. I, w- I had already like left that belief system in- internally. And I was like, and I decided to take that class online because I'm like, I cannot sit in a classroom and hear this. And what I did was I realized at, at Bob Jones University, you can get an easy A if you just confirm all of their beliefs and you do, you know, you write your paper well, you have your arguments, you have the right grammar, just confirm what they believe and they'll give you an A. And so I wrote the most bullshit paper that like I didn't do any research on just about art and glorifying God and I just confirmed all of what they believed I you know I fixed my grammar and make sure it was structured well and just made up BS around just some of the research and and I got an A on the paper and I just I laughed when I did it because I'm like I was and that was the thing that class required like 60 plus hours of more of reading of all these different fundamentalist perspectives and books. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not continuing this indoctrination. I'm not doing it. I'm not going to shove any more of this in my mind. And when you get to that point, what's interesting about your experience is that you got to that point, you're still there completing it. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, how uncomfortable, because I know that when we are done with the cult, you know, just from my own experience too, it's like, I want this off now. It's like a skin a suit that you need yes. to get the hell out of. And so you were making these moves. And what a mm-hmm. sham, if you could do that, 
if you could just do a fluff piece and get an A, it does say something about the quality of education that people are paying for mm-hmm. and that they're getting. Yeah. Now, on my list, mm-hmm. on my list, I heard a term on your podcast. Surviving Bob Jones University, a Christian cult. In this podcast, I heard the term biblical counseling. Now, first of all, I just want to say that seems like an oxymoron, totally there's biblical and there's counseling and never the twain should meet because I don't need to answer to the Bible script to get emotional or mental health, yeah. supposedly. But what I'd like to ask you about is why do you feel it's not hitting the mark, quote, biblical mm-hmm. counseling for the needs of young people? You also experienced it failing you. Tell us about what is biblical counseling? Yes. So... Biblical counseling is an approach to counseling in certain Christian environments where it is based in this belief that the Bible is sufficient for everything. And there's an assumption that all mental health issues are spiritual. And of course, people define spiritual differently. But in this environment, um, when you're having spiritual issues, this means you're not close to God or, you know, you don't have that relationship with Jesus. So that means, you know, you're not praying, you're not reading your Bible, you're not going to church. And if you're doing those things and you know, you're not getting better, you're not believing enough, you're not trusting enough, again, it's your fault. You know, mental health issues are also seen as sin. And this biblical counseling model, it's not trauma informed at all. So if someone calls themselves a biblical counselor, they are not um qualified by anything by the APA or any psychological organization. These people, they make their own organizations to accredit them in biblical counseling. So wait a minute, then the um, oversights that you spoke about earlier do not um, include oversight from psych community or psychologists or anything like that. No, no uh, qualifications to be a counselor? No. No. There is a person on my podcast that I interviewed, which I'm so glad I met them and found them. They got an undergrad and a master's in biblical counseling at Bob Jones. This is episode five. It's called Approach to Mental Health. And they give a good overview of, they told me, they're like, no, they are not qualified by any actually like legitimate organization. Like that, that's what happens in these environments is that if they, if the outside world won't give them that accreditation, they'll create their own organizations that will just give, it's like they're taking a stamp and they're stamping it themselves. Like, it's just, it's not legit. I don't know all the specifics of these organizations that you know qualify these biblical counselors and the thing is though it's not based on science at all the other assumption in biblical counseling is that you are inherently sinful there is nothing good inside of you and there's this counselor or this person who has written so many books on biblical counseling and has influenced the bob jones counseling and also influence biblical counseling across the U.S. And like, I didn't know how influential this person was until I started my research. This person's name is Jim Berg. And he he has spread this teaching where he, in his book, uh, I think it's called Changed in His Image. He teaches that people have a clone of Satan's nature inside of them that opposes God. And what? Yes. Yes, and it's... Is that 
So if you show emotion, that's the devil coming out? I don't know if he has specifically said that, but just from this standpoint, okay. he, there's this view that there's nothing good inside of you. But this is common in fundamentalism. But this guy is taking it further by saying there's a part of Satan's nature inside of you that violently opposes God. So again, anything that doesn't conform to what they want, that's seen as sin. And so if there's this view that there's nothing good inside of you, you're at fault for everything. And like, again, like this perfectionism in this environment. And the thing is, you know, I know people will argue about the Bible all the time, but it's like this teaching is not even in scripture. So they can't even, he can't use the Bible to argue this. If, you know, he's a biblical counselor and this teaching is not in his own Bible. It's not, there's nowhere in the Bible it says that. But he's been confronted about this teaching. I mean, and there's someone on my podcast that came on. Her name is Dr. Camille Lewis. She's a religious scholar and she has been archiving BJU's history for a long time and she's been she's been speaking out against um what they've done and she's kept record of things that they would never want the public to ever know about um so she really helps me a lot with the research of the podcast and backing up claims to make sure that everything was factual and could be backed up and she listened to the podcast before it was released um, to make sure everything was factually correct. Well, that's just another uh, opportunity for me to say mm -hmm. congratulations oh, on this you. great piece of work. I can't, this is a type of thing the survivors really uh, excel at. Those who decide to start reporting. And then when you have someone, just, you know, a, a person who's in the system and has a doctorate, able to back you well this is this is great are queer voices allowed i got the feeling they're not and why not obviously i knew that going into bob jones that queer voices were not allowed but again there was really no choice and i you know i just had to hide myself but yeah so in this in, in this environment queer people gay people they're seen as an abomination um, you are compared to pedophiles, murderers, and thieves. So this is very extreme view. And so anything outside of the heteronormative standard is seen as bad. And something I want to emphasize with this is there's this concept at Bob Jones, and it's used in fundamentalism a lot. This The concept is divine design. And this concept has been used to justify bigotry on many other people. So for example, Bob Jones University, its roots are in white supremacy. Bob Jones Sr. had connections to the KKK. He was friends with someone in the KKK. And there was a dormitory. There was a dormitory at Bob Jones that was named after a KKK member. Um, but that was changed in the 2000s. Um, it took them a long time to get rid of that. But so finally, some parents complained or children. I'm not sure who did it because at Bob Jones, if something changes, it has to hurt their reputation. That's the only reason they change things. It's all it's a very a narcissistic um, institution. Um, so it only has to hurt their reputation for them. So I'm not, I don't remember what happened, but they changed it. And the person, the, the, um, dorm was named Graves, which was named after Bib Graves. I didn't get to do a ton of research on him. I just glossed over that because there was so much I had to cover in this. But knowing there's roots there is very disturbing. 
And like, this is a thing that is covered a bit in the series too, that Camille helps with is that this idea of separation. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's so big in fundamentalism, separate from anyone who believes differently and get together in your group and even separate from other Christians who might have different beliefs. You have to be around people who think just like you isolate extremism. Yes. And so, but what Camille Lewis has been discovering that this idea of separation is also rooted in segregation too. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is why a lot of Christian schools were started for segregation to keep the white people away from the people of color and to not mix races and this idea of divine design this is rooted in that racist idea of being against interracial marriage is you know they wanted to keep their race and those ideas I guess they would say pure which is awful to think about but and you know eugenics trying to trying to shape humanity and like they would also justify this by saying that having racist intermarry would bring about the one world order which is you know it's an end times thing so there's this fear of having institutions so you know marriage is seen as like an institution um the family unit in the environment so they're like if we combine this and this is what they bob jones the third said this on larry king live people bob jones you can you can search bob jones the third larry king live and that's a lot he literally says in one of the interview this is not related to the race part but he said at Bob Jones, I'm paraphrasing, but basically he was like, we are creating soldiers for Christ. See, this is where I was headed while I was listening to you, is they're creating new members. And so when you are born in, you're a new member, boom, you go learn the stuff and you keep teaching it so they can live forever. Their ideology of, you know, white superiority and male dominance, may I add, and heterodominance. Um, it's like all of us are in jeopardy there. (laughs) And that was another, you do discuss being a woman at the college and how it's not a good thing. It's not a fun time. Yeah. The the women, they, they had it so rough compared to the guys. Um, yeah. So at the school, they were, they were really, for, for the guys, they were more lax on getting guys in trouble. Of course, like, you know, me being a queer person, that was made it so much harder than, you know, the other straight guys on the dorms. But um, but for the women, and, and this is what I learned on the podcast, is when people feel so powerless and they are oppressed and then they're given some sort of power in some kind of situation, they uh, they can abuse that trying to have try to have that sense of control in their lives when they when they're controlled so because when i was at bob jones i've heard so many horrific stories about the dean of women at bob jones and about so many women leaders in these dormitories which you know each dormitory is like a cult of its own because you're subjected to a hierarchical leadership in each of these dormitories on their compound on campus oh and were you in a dorm i was in a dorm yeah all those years because that that le- definitely um, is a level of control that would be different. They control where you lived because if you were coming to the school from out of state and you were between the ages of 18 to 22, you had to live on campus. You There was no exceptions. So in this female dorm, I'm sure um, one of your 
guests on the show who's from India. And so she would have been an maybe international student, not sure. She, yes, she's, okay. she's an international student. And female. So she had a double whammy of being an international race that they didn't know what to do with, it sounds yeah. like. And then being a female. That purity culture kicks in, right? Yes. That whole, you got to dress right. You got to save yourself for the man. Yes. And like, there would be these dorm mentors and like uh, residence assistants that would, that, those are their titles. Yeah. RA, that would literally be looking for people to get into trouble and just follow them. And so, so they're looking to make uh, probably points. Oh, right? yes. And like, they, they love that power they have over the people. Sounds like Lord of the Flies basically a savage mentality it's like how can i get ahead how can i get in charge when you know it takes some kind of um awful act on each other to make any progress which is a terrible belief which i do not believe so they were subscribing to this um what kind of things would you experience in the dorm it was still tough. One of the things about the dormitories is we had discipleship groups in the dorms. We had these several, I think like three to four nights a week. And the thing with these disciples, oh my God. Yeah. And like, this is, this was a big part of the like busyness. And they would do this from like 1030 to 11 at night. Um, and when we wanted to be in bed and when we, so yeah, that sleep deprivation and when we wanted to be studying. So what I think with these discipleship groups, though, is, you know, they were supposed, and that's the thing, when they write these things in their handbook or their rule book about all these different activities, all these rules, they paint it in this flowery language of, oh, this is for accountability, this is for spiritual growth. But like, you don't experience that as love. There's all these elements of control so that, you know, they justify all these levels of control as, oh, it's really for your best. We're really doing this for you. Um, and it's so ridiculous. But with these groups, the the bob jones president would write a book every semester and this book was never sold to the public it was only for cult members in this group and these books they would just cover the chapel sermons that we were going to be listening to daily in chapel and it would just be reinforcing that indoctrination and it would be going through these notes that he would write out and these applications and you know we were supposed to talk about it in these groups that would meet and, you know, and the thing with chapel, chapel, that was also required. That was from 11 a.m. to 11.35 a.m., four days a week. That's a lot of extracurricular study and books and commitment time-wise, too, for your day. Gosh, how many hours a day were you in chapel or church-related non-curriculum stuff? Yeah. So here's kind of like an overview of like a week in the life of a Bob Jones student. So... On, we'll, just, we'll start on Sunday. So on Sundays, you were required to attend church, and they had a list of churches that you had to choose from that they approved of. They were Bob Jones approved churches, approved theology. You were required to go to two either two services on Sunday or one on Sunday and one on Wednesday. Most people would go to two times on Sunday just to get it done. Um, but uh, we they would clear out the dorms every Sunday morning, and there was an instance where I slept in one Sunday morning. The Frankie Files. And I woke up, and I hear the RA 
checking the rooms, opening and closing doors. And I hear this sound like open and close, open and close, like getting closer and closer. And, you know, I was a rule follower my whole life, but I was just suffering so much in this environment. I was like, I cannot get caught. He cannot see me in here because then I'll be, I'll be marked. I'll be seen as a bad one. Oh, I slept in. I'm not spiritual. They'll, you know, I'm like, they'll be watching me now. I'll stand out. So I shoved the mattress from the wall. I was on top of a bunk and I slid between the wall and the mattress and I put a blanket over myself. And then right when I did that, this person came in the room and I tried to be so, so quiet. And then I heard them walk away. They closed the door and they left. And then I got up and I was like, oh, thank goodness. Like I wasn't caught. But that was one of the first rules I accidentally broke was not going to church on Sunday. And there were some Sundays I would skip church by just literally hiding behind, like in my closet behind my hamper when they would check their rooms and, and I would disconnect all my devices because they could also monitor devices and internet and, and different things. you expose things. that you're not the only one that hid places. There were other students definitely hiding or they would go off campus and hide in a coffee shop and then go back. This one girl said on your podcast, she hid in a trunk, her own trunk of her car. Are you kidding me? That's how bad the incessant bothersome techniques are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. Yeah, so that's it's so ridiculous. That's not living on a campus. That's living in a, a concentration camp like situation. Oh my goodness. And and that's the thing. Bob Jones University, they have their own snitching culture. This is this is how they in forced a lot of their rules because these leaders in all these dorms they can only do so much to monitor and you know of course like the ra our runes would be checked just about every single day during chapel they would go through our stuff at times and you know and so like there were times where i could tell things have been gone through my drawers and i'm just like oh you've got to be kidding me like so ridiculous so, so there's lack there's a lack of privacy oh my god and so, yeah, so thankfully, like I had a lockbox that I had that I would keep private things in just to like, I'm like, you know, like you're not, you're not finding my social security. You're not finding. <laughs> As though they're all innocent when they're looking through. It's like, I can just see someone trying to look for collateral to use against you in another situation. And yeah. I mean, there have been stories of like, they would, they'll, they'll look for your journal and I, I a friend of mine she was kicked out because the dean of women got a hold of her journal or her friend's journal and there was something in a journal entry of her and her friend had like broken a rule and she recorded like a party that they went to or something like that and they both got kicked out because she found her journal and she read this girl's journal and then yeah kicked him out a, a control of behavior of your own thoughts clearly no dating was allowed right I, for queer relationships, you couldn't like, you know, you weren't allowed to exist. Now for dating, it was so restrictive. You couldn't, you had to have a chaperone if, you know, if opposite genders are dating. So a third person had to be with you everywhere. You couldn't just human contact was also demonized on this place. So a lot of purity culture elements, you couldn't, guys and girls could not hug each other. So there's a girl on the podcast, the, the um, Indian girl, she talks about there's a story on the podcast i'm not, I'm not going to get into all the details but she and her boyfriend were interrogated because he gave her a side hug and it was like a week-long ordeal of going into all these different meetings being interrogated about this and the, she, you know when she was first confronted about the side hug from her boyfriend this dean of women asked her did you have sex with your boyfriend like just straight up asked that like it's just it's none of her business 
Um, and it's just so it's so ridiculous that you give someone a hug and then you assume they're having sex. Like what? I, I learned to. I, I mean, I try my best to blend in. I mean, I was definitely bothered and harassed a lot by people for my perceived sexuality, but I try my best to at, at least at first blend in um, and follow the rules. Um, got to listen to my original interview where Andrew uh, tells us the details of his exit, which are spectacular. (laughs) But okay, so also in the podcast, you take time to expose the Grace Report. On the Grace Report, what is this about? Yes. So just for context, so Grace is an organization and it stands for Godly Response to Abuse in the Christian Environment. And it is an organization of that's made of lawyers, um, pastors, other kind of um, psychologists and other people where, you know, if they're asked to by an organ by a Christian organization, they'll go into an organization and then, you know, they're supposed to do an independent investigation of abuse allegations. And so Bob Jones university had mishandled decades of abuse allegations. And it's incredible that they, they invited this organization because the report, the final report, which is released in 2014, it's 301 pages. Um, the thing is this 300 page report, it's only the tip of the iceberg. There's so many people that did not come forward. I, I, I read a lot of it and it's like, there's a mix of things. So there is some cover up when I mean cover up. I mean, there were people that were told not to go to the police. There were some people that were told to now I want to say a ma- the 60% of the people interviewed had a negative experience, like not not a good experience when they came forward. So a majority of the people, there were different BJU representatives who did explicitly say do not go to the police. Um, you're going to run your family's reputation. There were some people that were like, I wouldn't recommend it, but if you want to, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, and also the thing about this is it showed that there was so much lack of awareness of, they were so unaware that these were crimes. I wrote this down. So the Grace Report is a 300-page report on the mishandling of sexual abuse allegations at Bob Jones University. And the report shows an overview that Bob Jones University's response to rape and abuse claims was with woeful ignorance of state law, a near complete lack of training in psychology and trauma counseling best practices, and an overarching campus culture that blames women and girls for any abuse they suffer. And and it paints all sexuality from rape to consensual sex as equivalent misdeeds, so as sin. So rape and consensual sex were just there. This report showed that they were just seen as sins. They weren't seen like rape wasn't seen as a crime and they weren't educated on the term rape also because rape is not a very, it's not a black and white. Same approach as they have to mental health, which is everything's your fault. So it's the woman's fault. She teased a man or whatever. Yes. So here, here are core things I wrote down to talk about. Like this is just paraphrase what was covered. Some of the survivors were asked if their bodies experienced pleasure during the abuse. People were asked, what were they wearing? Oh, because remember, if you like it, then it's not rape. You didn't like it. You didn't want it. That's established or we wouldn't be using the word rape. Bob Jones III 
specifically asked a girl to not go public. So this is another example of covering up. Um, so yeah, so Bob Jones III, like the Bob Jones III, asked a girl not to go forward. And there was also some examples of, you know, discouraged from seeking local law enforcement. And there was the people were asked immediately, like, repent for your part in the abuse, because there's this assumption that you must have some part in it. And another issue of this is like, purity is so emphasized in this environment. So if you're raped, you're seen as damaged goods, like you're, it's gone. Like, and there's so many sermons of, you know, if you've had sex, you know, you're not pure anymore. And like, they don't talk about, they don't talk about sexual abuse in these environments. It's always like, there's no sex education. And that's, a, that's another thing that's covered in the podcast. And there's a horrific story, which I'm not going to share now, but there's a story about how, what horrible things that can happen when you are, don't have that sex education. The Frankie Files. So BJU is very conservative with this Christian value and Christian right thinking. And you also covered how it's racist, but I think you got into more on the podcast from what some of the titles I saw. There's actual, actual um, segregation on campus. How late into modernity does it get? Are we talking 70s? Yeah. So when it comes to people of color, African-American students were not admitted into the school until 1971. Interracial dating and marriage was banned at Bob Jones until 2000. They've never had that many students of color. And you can see why. It's, the majority is white people on this campus. It's always been every student picture. And it's funny because I remember as a photographer at Bob Jones, they would ask me, find the people of color to get pictures of them. We want them on our flyers on different things. We want that look of diversity. And I was, and I was just like, are you serious? Are you such hypocrisy it's like wait so you're a token black person here and we want to exploit you while you're here but we don't want to really attract too many and like they they did have when i was there they started an organization for students of color on campus and again i think it was like it was a token thing of just oh look look at how we have supposedly changed and you know there are pictures with the pre president and other people with these students of color and all this stuff and it's just like Okay. And, and, you know, I think there were good intentions with the students who started that organization wanting to um, bring that forward. But yeah, students of color obviously have not been drawn to the university at all. It's always been mainly white students. And there, there was a, um, a former student on my podcast who talks about going to Bob Jones and said, you know, as a person of color, I was so uncomfortable to stay in the graves dorm which was named after a white supremacist and i he this person emailed the school and said i'm not comfortable living in a dorm named after a white supremacist and you know and this was in the 2000s and they emailed him back and basically denied his request they forced him to live in a dorm named after a white supremacist this person of color um so that that's just another story on my podcast yeah so this school it has its roots in white supremacy and you know of course the school uh, has changed or tried to change at least and one thing i want to emphasize is bob jones senior he preached a sermon in 1960 about segregation being scriptural he was he was a racist he had connections to the kkk so bob jones senior the original founder who founded it in 1927 wow like he was cozy with the kkk so uncomfortable knowing that's where their money was coming from probably it's like to further their culture the roots are corrupt that's what you're revealing to us 
how many locations are we talking about? This is the interesting thing about the Bob Jones University and, you know, the Surviving Bob Jones podcast is a limited series, but I've decided to, okay. you know, keep that series by itself as limited. And I'm making another series called Beyond BJU. People can subscribe to it now. It's premiering next year. There's a trailer out for it. But the thing about Bob Jones University is what I learned through this podcast. And this is a guest on the show. Her name is Erin Birchwell. She said this. She's like, Bob Jones University is the mothership for thousands of Bob Jones churches, Christian schools and camps across the US and across the world. And when I say Bob Jones, I don't mean that Bob Jones necessarily owns them, but Bob Jones has like BJU grads running these organizations and they all report back to the university. So if the university changes policies and views, all these churches follow with them. And the thing is, so there are these teachings that are being perpetrated and these level of control that are perpetrated in all these churches and other Christian, like, you know, of Christian high schools across the U.S. that are run by these graduates that, you know, Bob Jones, they don't own it, but they control it through their graduates. They're the mothership for all these different places. And like, in, you know, in Greenville, South Carolina, there's so many Bob Jones churches in the area and so many Bob Jones people that, and then, you know, Bob Jones also has always had its hand in politics. That's another thing the podcast reveals. So they have a major influence on millions. Oh, easily, just through all the different, they have their own homeschool curriculum. They have a press there. And this is another thing about Bob Jones. It's called BJU Press. And when the pandemic happened, it just started blowing up. They would brag how well the, the press was doing when the pandemic happened. The pandemic did drive people to do a lot of homeschooling because of safety. That would enable them another opportunity to indoctrinate and enclose these young people. That's what you're revealing to us is that that generational uh, control, I would say. They have a Bob Jones Academy and a Bob Jones Elementary School. So they have K through 12 schools that are they, they actually own right by the school. And they're funneling all these kids into the university, too. You know, there's this reggae artist and he says, they've planted the seeds in the youth mind and now it's harvest time. Ooh. It's not an accident. They've got to perpetrate these corrupt ideas somehow. What got you to the point to do the expose on Bob Jones? Because you've been doing your own podcast where you do interviews of survivors like myself. I've been on yours. It's called Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger. I'd like everyone to go to that too. Link will be in the show notes. Speaking up, it it just ended. I ended it because of um I'm gonna be working on the Beyond BJU podcast and interviewing BJU survivors, but I'm I'm so grateful for um speaking up because the growth that happened, all the people I got to meet. I, I think I interviewed over like 80 cult survivors in two years, basically. Andrew, you're a very industrious one. I've been watching you tear things up and uh, kudos. I, I just say cult kids unite. So you're growing into more of a presentation mode. Yes. When I decided to make the Bob Jones podcast, I mean, when I started getting into cult education right after my expulsion. So for the past almost well, two years, I've just immersed myself in cult education and activism. And, you know, again, interviewing other cult survivors, listening to other cult survivors and other cult podcasts and just seeing all these commonalities coming all together that would eventually turn into the surviving Bob Jones University podcast. 
And I, I knew that when I did this podcast, I was going to give it my all, like every level of it was going to be top notch production, top notch interviews and preparing, helping people prepare to tell their stories, just everything. I'm like, we have to, I feel like we had to make this all come together. Um, but I started planning this in March of 2023 and it really, what happened was there was a bunch of drama that happened at Bob Jones and people they'll hear, they'll hear about it on the podcast. There's a bunch of drama with leadership. And so the president resigned long story short, the president resigned and he just renewed his contract and then he resigned and, you know, people can hear the details of all that juicy. Once there was no, no president, you know, they had their vice president to step in. I was like, I was like, I don't know if Bob Jones is going to be around much longer. That's the thing that ran through my mind. Cause I'm like, if they can't agree in leadership, if they can't run the school and agree, okay, this school is going to shut down soon. And I, you know, I had already done my own cult analysis of Bob Jones and I did like a, a 40 minute episode on speaking up about it, digging into it. And, you know, I went back to that and I was like, this could be a whole podcast. This could be a whole podcast. And like, I had to really like, I did it. Cause like, there's such a, there was a, such a strong inner calling inside of me, my intuition or some part of me was like, Ooh, like you have to do this. I also want to mention that you're um, involved with the indoctrination podcast. I can only imagine the good things you're soaking up there from Rachel. I, this person who's helped so many and I recommend it. And also you, you, I saw on TikTok, you had spoken with Daniela Mastanik Young, who I adore. What a cult kid leader in speaking up. She is, she's really affected me positively. How did you in, interact with her and what did she do that probably inspired you to go even further? You had her review Bob Jones, right? You're listening to The Frankie Files, frankiefilespodcast.com. When I did the podcast, I knew that I wanted a variety of all kinds of voices. So for me, I'm like, okay, I need people who've never been a part of this to have their own insight. I need cult experts. So Rachel Bernstein is a cult expert on the podcast and Daniela Messenick Young. And I know obviously I knew I was always going to have, I was going to ask Rachel to be on it, but I knew I wanted a second cult expert. And when I interviewed Daniela back in April of this year, I was like, you know what? I'm going to ask her if she wants to come on this podcast to share her opinions on it. And so my thing was, okay, I'll send them my cult analysis on Bob Jones so they can prepare um, for their opinions on the university. And so I used the bite model and Lipton's criteria for thought reform and started listing out all the things that Bob Jones does. And, you know, Daniela, she was really impressed with it. She's like, oh my gosh, she's like, you need to like use this for like content or different things. And I was, I didn't, you know, I, it was, she just started making videos about it. I didn't expect her to do that, but I was so happy that she did of her own desire. She just started turning it into content and started pumping it out. Well, she's a best selling author now. How about that? We've, we've watched her rise. We have this cult expert who is respected in this world. I'm like, okay, she's that's awesome. So she's getting that. Yes. I was so thrilled when she did that because I know I, I never expected that. I didn't want to. I did not want to ask that of her, but she she did that, and I'm so happy. She said she this scares me. This place scares me. Well, I mean, I interviewed her. Um, I was 
so fortunate to be the first person to have read her book that interviewed her on a podcast. What I experienced with Daniela is, you know, when she grew up in Children of God, main thing she really wanted was her education and they wouldn't allow it. And I know that she's been really emphasizing that on her TikTok channel and other, you know, media that she does. It's like, this is how cults control us, is they control the education. Her mom would secretly read her a book, if you've read her book, at age five, secretly read books to her. She wasn't allowed. These women had to sneak and read books in Children of God. So, yes, I think it's very important that... um what a lot of work you've put into it shows up. And I want to ask about your Patreon. August 15th, the whole series was released on my Patreon. Um, for people, they wanted to access the whole thing early or they could wait a month to get the whole thing. And then I, I do have two Patreon exclusive episodes that won't be released publicly. Um, those two episodes are um, the Bob Jones fashion show controversy, which I had a part of, which I dig into. Um, on that. And then I decided to tell my Bob Jones story in one episode, but I just, I just wanted it on my Patreon. Um, and you know, and if people want to hear my story, they can, they can listen to other interviews I've done. They can take the time. If they really care, they can do that. It's interesting to follow these types of things all the way through and see the level of corruption and see the details. So your Patreon, um, we'll put the link in the show notes, guys. Patreon, I was like, I really started pushing it this year because I'm like, if I want to continue to do this work, I need supporters to help just help me break even with all the money that I'm putting into this. So that's that's been, I, I think I've gotten a good amount right now and it's still growing. So I'm, I'm glad there are people who are supporting my work so I can continue to do it in the um, Beyond BJU podcast. Go ahead and wrap up where people can find your work, where they can subscribe, where they can donate, where they can become a Patreon member, where you want them to start. Yeah, so obviously people listen to the Surviving Bob Jones podcast, but I'm very active on Instagram, Facebook, um, TikTok, you know, my Patreon, it's in my link tree on every single social media. I have them on threads also and then X. <laughs> The exciting thing is, I'm excited to announce, is that the podcast has started to hit the, the news cycle, which I'm really excited for, being featured in the Greenville News originally, which was such a big deal because they, they've they always been controlled by Bob Jones in the past, but they're not anymore. So I'm honored that I was yeah able to be in a story about the podcast and about Bob Jones, and it's been featured in um, MSN, Yahoo News. Um, religion news service, the Roy's report. So I'm excited that pe people are picking up the story and like the awareness is really starting to happen about this cult. You're breaking the story. And when survivors talk, there's no holding us down. Yeah, there's no. Thank you, Andrew, for taking the time. Oh. I've always looked forward to our conversations. You're a wonderful individual and your voice resonates with others who've grown up in cults like myself mm -hmm. and i will be live tweeting the series guys so keep an eye on frankie tees at frankie tees and it's been such a pleasure to have you on frankie files podcast today yeah well thank you so much for having me cults coercion and sexuality in society these are the topics for the frankie files 
Frankie Tease, your host, and I'll continue to focus on my own family story as well as news and recovery info for those who've survived, especially the adult children of cults. New each Tuesday. See FrankieFilesPodcast.com for more. You're listening to The Frankie Files. FrankieFilesPodcast.com.